This morning we will continue our series on parenting and discipling. Last Sunday we spoke about the importance of family. How God created family as the primary place where we can be discipled. We spoke about the importance of getting married as a design of God. We spoke about the importance of becoming one as the couple creates an atmosphere of godliness where eventually children can be raised. But also we say that God is helping every kind of family. The church has the privilege to be called God's family. And even if you are not married, but you are a member of God's church, you can be a family member. You can be a spiritual parent. You can disciple other people closer to you spiritually. So this morning we'll share the second part of this series, Parenting, Pitfalls, and Discipling. I choose as a text two important passages. One is taken from Psalm 78. We will be reading from verse 1, just a portion of this psalm. And then we will refer to Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul is giving after chapter 5, where he speaks about the importance of husband and wife being one, on the importance of the relationship between parents and children. Now, Psalm 78 is uh, the first psalm of the historical psalms. And this psalm has the purpose to repeat the history of the people of Israel and give it some teaching so they will not repeat the mistakes that they made throughout the history. And it's important for us to consider uh, the advice that the Word of God is giving to us. So if we may read on Psalm 78, we will start from verse 1. And I pray that God's word will bless our hearts. And please pray for me as I deliver this message. The word of God says, Give here, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known. So there is nothing new. Things that we have heard and known. That our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. But tell to the coming generation. The glorious deeds of the Lord. And his might. And the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob. Appointed a law in Israel. Which he commanded our fathers to teach it to their children. That the next generation might know them. Children yet unborn. And arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart has not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Praise God for this portion. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. From verse 6 to 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now verse 4 is more applied to our message this morning. Fathers or mothers, do not provoke your children into anger. 
but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parenting in a present culture is one of the most difficult tasks. However, I believe that it is God's purpose and God's desire for parents to concentrate our ministry on building character, spirituality, faith in the heart of our youngest, of the children that the Lord has entrusted us. And sadly, sometimes we have a, an unbalanced approach on how to parenting our children. And again, when I say uh, parenting, I'm referring to biological parenting, adoption, or spiritual parenting. Sometimes we are unbalanced in the way that we approach this ministry. And uh, we forget, we don't take uh, uh, heart the importance of building up character and faith in our children. Either we can go in the other uh, opposite way and uh, having a very authoritarian way and approach to minister to our children without not giving any room for them to learn and experience personally what they need to learn about God. It seems that Christians' parents have lost the goal of making disciples. And again, I want to say what I mentioned last Sunday, that evangelical church in North America especially have a very low rate of retaining children in the church. It means that godly parents are not doing their godly task and assignment. So we have the responsibility. In fact, the psalm is teaching, do not repeat again the same mistakes. And I believe that either we take that as a, a very heavy task or we can enjoy and consider that as a privilege that we have to pass the gospel to the next generation. Let's keep in mind that if we miss to bring and pass on the gospel to the next generation, we are risking to stop the propagation of the gospel. And that's why we are to take seriously that task that God has given us to disciple people. And I believe that, again, I want to make very clear that, that one of the important purposes of parenting is to raise God-fearing, morally mature, emotionally sound young kids ready to pass the gospel to another generation. We must have that as a, a goal to achieve in our families, in our church, in an environment. Let's bring the flavor of a godly family, a godly parenting. God wants us to do so. I'm reading from Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. It has to do with the call of Abraham. And uh, the word of God says, For I, I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him, to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. You see, God has a lot of promise for us. God has a lot of promises for our children. And the blessing of God can go through one thousands of generations if we are faithful to him. So there is something that we need to be careful and we cannot miss. Active parenting is a mandate from the Lord, not an option. Being able to disciple our children is not an option. It's a mandate that we receive from the Lord. 
when Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 gave us the great commission, therefore go and make disciples, is a Jewish speaking to another Jewish person. The disciples understood very clearly because a disciple was following the rabbi, the teacher, and he was following completely what he was saying. It was a sharing, a living relationship. It was not just giving a lecture, but the disciple was learning through the example of the rabbi. This caused conversation that brought faith and possibility for the rabbi to teach the word of God. And this is reflected, must be reflected in the parenting, in the way that we parent our children. It's not just a moment. It's a lifelong commitment where children are learning, watching at us, seeing what we do, observing our godliness, observing a love for God. Or in the opposite side, sometimes they can observe that we don't love God. We are not coherent with what we say we believe. So it's a very important mandate to take in consideration. So this morning, let me share with you some pitfalls that we can follow in as a parent. First of all, wrong goals and attitudes. As a parent, we can have wrong goals and attitudes. First one is materialistic attitude. It means that parents will focus more on giving their children materialistic things, forgetting the spiritual aspect. It means that spirituality comes later on in that list of priorities. Some parents are more interested in providing their children with all the material comforts of life in totally disregard the responsibility to teach about godliness. That's why it's important for us to be intentional. And as a church, I'm giving this series a message so we can understand that only material things will not bring our children when they're in heaven. We must teach spirituality. We must teach the importance of God. And if we look at the Bible, we see how parents that were attracted by the materialistic things, they lost their children. I want to give you an example in Lot. Remember Lot? He was uh, the nephew of Abraham. He was attracted by the materialistic life that was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And when uh, the shepherds of Abraham and his own shepherds had a, uh, an argument, the point arrived where it was important to divide. And Abraham said to Lot, you choose. If you want to stay in the mountains, I will go in the plain. If you want to stay in the plain, I will stay in the mountains. And Lot, maybe because he was uh, seeing Sodom and Gomorrah as a place of uh, a future possibility for the children, where there was a commerce, where there was a life, where there was a, a lot of opportunity, a growth, materially speaking, he decided to go in the plain. And the scripture says that he will not plant his tent in the city, but outside. He knew it was spiritual enough to understand that Sodom and Gomorrah was not the best environment where to raise children. However, he pitched his tent outside Sodom and Gomorrah, but gradually he was attracted. 
You know, when you have a materialistic heart, never is enough. You say, oh, I will reach this goal and then I will focus more on things of the Lord. No, because the love for material things will draw closer and closer and closer and grow more and more and more until you are in the midst of it without no realizing that. And that's why we have to be careful. The Bible says that there is no material things that will allow us to value life. A man or a woman is not valued for what he possessed or she possessed. Is valued by the Lord from the love that he has for God. Because one day, whatever riches we have accumulated in this life will be left behind. You cannot bring anything with you. The West Job said, naked I came. And naked I go back. Right? Jesus says this word in Luke chapter 12 verse 15. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard. Look at this verse in Luke chapter 12, 15. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. We must be on our guard because it's easy to fall, to be attracted by the material things. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. One's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, I want to make clear that I'm not saying that poor, being poor is the blessing that God wants to give it to you. Maybe sometimes this happens. But what I'm trying to say, don't put it in your heart. Don't put it in your heart. There are other priorities. Too often parents, instead of spending quality time with their children, nurture the relationship with God, they devoted themselves to other activities, forgetting the primary responsibility. To teach their children the ways of the Lord. And that's why sometimes there is no time for church. There is no time for Bible study. There is no time for enjoying one another. Having devotion together. Speak about challenges that they may face in life. And give an answer with the word of God. And then another wrong attitude that we can have. Is overprotecting our children. Overprotecting parents don't prepare their children for the real life. Have you ever heard of this style of parenting? <laughs> the helicopter parent that flies all the time trying to rescue the child? I believe that this is something that we very easy are guilt as a parent. And we miss the point that by overprotect them, we prevent them from making enough mistakes and to learn from their mistakes. Because a lesson is learned by, more by mistakes than by normal things. And if you don't allow them to make mistakes and experience that the advice that you give, gave, it was not because you are smarter than them, but because of the experience of life. So they have to learn on their own. I still remember my father saying, hey, my dear Mario, when you will have children, you will understand what you are letting me go through right now. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> Many times I say, man, my dad was right. I was the foolish one. We need to make space for them to make mistakes. So they can learn. And you know, because if we don't do that, 
they will grow depending on us. Let me use this expression. We must cut the umbilical cord. They need to make their own choices. Today, many children are depending on parents more than they should, they should do. And I believe that today, many young people are difficult to form a family because they never were given the possibility to experience life on their own. Sometimes I speak with uh, young men and young women, and I can see the fear that there is. I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. And I believe that the roots of this not being prepared has to do with the lack of responsibility that, that would need to be taken while they're growing. So please, let's give them room. And then, sometimes we have a wrong idea of parenting. I want to be the best friend of my, of my son or my daughter. Don't be eluded by that. Parents who try to be their children's best friend are demoting themselves from a higher and unique role that God has given to them. And it's a very important role. They don't need a best friend. They will have a lot of friends during the rest of their lives. They need a parent. They need somebody that will teach the word of God. They will need somebody that will walk alongside them, showing godliness, showing Love for God, love for the church, love for people. They need to be guided. They need to know that sometimes a parent is able to give advice that a friend will never give to them. Because they are friends. And a friend will never, a true friend will never try to hurt the person. And because usually it's the same age of friendship, they themselves have not the quality, the experience of life to give those advices. So you need somebody that is not there to judge you, but to help you. And let me tell you this. Even if you have children or grandchildren during their teens, the terrible teens, right? Terrible for us and also terrible for the teens in itself. They will never ask you to hug them in public, or to, to show love to them, or to advise them, or to rebuke them while they're in public. They will feel terribly embarrassed. Never do that. But, in a private, they need to receive love. They need to receive guidance. They are longing for that. They need to determine what they want to do in life, what will be the path that they want to choose. And, your presence is so important. So important. Please, be a parent and not a friend. Again, I'm not going to the extreme. You must be friendly with them, but your priority is to be a parent. Amen? Then, second pitfall. Partiality and wrong expectation or expectations. I want to bring you a great man of the Bible, Jacob. Remember Jacob? He used partiality towards Joseph and Benjamin. Because Joseph and Benjamin were children of the wife that he loved very much, Rachel. Remember? And he had a special 
attention for Joseph and Benjamin. If you go back in Genesis to chapter 37, verse 3 and 4, hear what the word of God says. Now Israel, meaning Jacob, loved Joseph more than any other of his sons. Because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. When you apply partiality in your parenting between a child and another one, you will cause strife within the siblings. You are not doing good to them. Jacob did so. You know why? Because his parents did the same. If you remember, there was partiality between Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac loved more Esau. Because he was a hunter. Remember? And he was bringing food. Fresh food for him that he loved very much. But Rebekah loved more Jacob. And Jacob, when he became an adult, and when he got married, he will duplicate again the same mistakes. It was a cycle that was repeated again. If you are building up your family based on partiality, there is a, a great possibility that your children will duplicate the concept again and again. And you bring division among them. You are building up a barrier between siblings. Make sure, make sure that you are not giving the impression to love your children in a different impartial way. It will be a curse on their lives. It will affect a generation after generation. God loved us in an equal way. In different ways, but in an equal way. And we should do the same. And then part of this uh, uh, wrong expectation is maintaining expectation that either are to law or to I. You put the bar so high that your child will never reach to that. And because of that, it feels a failure. Don't put on your child an expectation that is too high that he cannot reach in his life. And because he is not able to reach that goal, it will feel a failure. It will feel that was not important. That he is loved because of his performance and not because his relationship. And sometimes when we put an expectation that is too high, we are passing the message that our children are loved because of what they achieve and not for who they are. And this can be equally done in the secular world, but also in the spiritual aspect. We must find a balance, not to put too low expectation that doesn't challenge them, but neither too high. Because they will not be able to achieve. And many times we look at our children and we communicate that sense of an achievement to them. And we communicate the message. You are a failure. Now, please understand, I'm not fostering here laziness. I'm not saying that we shouldn't encourage or correct our children to do the best. 
but I'm saying don't put a bar too high. Raising my kids, and my kids can say that, I always say, I'm not expecting 100% of the marks. I'm expecting 100% of your effort. The challenge is there, but you give room. And I pray that God will help us to, to raise that awareness that they have a purpose in life. They can rely on God's help in their lives. If the Lord bless you with more than one child, take the quality time with them. It's not the amount, it's the quality of the time that you give it to them. And the Lord will bless you richly. And then I'm going to the third point, another pitfall, permissiveness and lack of correction. Permissive parenting is completely against with the Christian worldview of parenting. I certainly do not advocate authoritarian style of parenting. Maybe our generation, I include myself now in this, I was not there to discuss if my father was saying something to do. There is not even the option, right? I'm talking a familiar language here to my generation. It was just a look. And I knew that it was not an option. I have to do it. I'm not saying to replicate that kind of style. But take the time to correct your child. I was talking with somebody this week while making a visit, and we came to this conversation about uh, giving correction. And the person told me something that stuck with me. Correction is an expired advice. I pray that the Lord will uh, give us grace not to repeat the same mistakes that great men of God repeated. I'll give you some of them. The high priest Eli. Remember? In Samuel chapter 3, verse 13, The word of God says that his children were doing things that were an abomination before God. They were serving in the temple. They were offering sacrifice as a priest. And then they had a sexual intimacy with women that were coming to worship. It was terrible. And God rebuked Eli saying, And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever. For the iniquity that he knew. Because his sons were blaspheming God. And he did not restrain them. Eli failed in his mission of correcting them. And then we have the prophet Samuel. God is speaking to Samuel, and Samuel did the same mistake. Look, in chapter 8, verse 1 to 3, we read, When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. He was a prophet, a judge. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah, they were judges in Beersheba, yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain, and they took bribes and perverted justice. And because of that, the people of Israel say, we want to have a king. And Samuel was insisting. Let me tell you something. This story doesn't finish there. We know King David, Right? King David was an amazing man of God. The Bible says that he has a heart that was following God's heart. However, David was one of the worst models of parenting. It was a terrible example. There was a rebellion. There was an enmity between the children. 
Uh, it was incest. He had uh, more than one son trying to take his place and trying to kill him. Why? Because David never took a stand in correctness. In 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5 to 6, we read, Now Adonijah, the son of Agat, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. His father, David, had never, look here the scripture, how clear it is. The father never at any time displeased him by asking, why have you done thus and so? He was also a very handsome man and he was born next after Absalom. David never one time make understand Adonijah that he was doing something wrong. And he paid an high price. The first and the second child of David, they try to take over his kingdom. David later on learned a hard lesson. You see, permissive parenting leads to spoiled children. Leads to not correcting the attitude. And is a terrible assumption to make that giving all freedom will make them righteous and godly people. It's a wrong assumption. And let me tell you, I see young kids here also present. If you receive a correction from your parents, and that correction is biblical, and that correction has the purpose to guide you, consider yourself blessed. Consider yourself a privileged person. Because God is imparting wisdom in your life through the wisdom and the godliness of your parents. Giving a child everything usually means that they will cherish nothing. When you give a lot of gifts, and doesn't matter how expensive they are, they will not appreciate it. Right? You experience that as a parent, as a grandparents? We, I think we experience that. We don't want to be parents that have the regret and not having correct our children. And then let me clarify something also in that. We can make a lot of damage if we don't understand the difference between discipline and punishment. Remember what I said before? I'm not encouraged an authoritarian way to parent your child. Parenting that is based on punishment will grow resentment, will grow frustration that eventually will move to rebellion. If you don't come to church, I will punish you. And we let them understand that church is related to punishment, not to love. Punishment has the purpose to stop a certain wrong behavior. But the aim of punishment is not to change the heart. It's to change the behavior. While discipline is giving punishment, and we lose all the different methods, but the goal, the ultimate goal, is not to change only the behavior, but it's changing the heart. If you discipline, your ultimate goal is not just to change the behavior, but it's to change the heart. 
Let the child understand why they're punished, why there is correction, why there is a, a discipline applied. Again, correction is an expired advice. My son, my daughter, I give you this. And I'm sharing this because I have a little bit more experience in life. And I want to bless you with my experience. As the parent, you have the power to make your child do what you want him to do. Right? But you know the whole says, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm still standing inside. We can too easily settle for, for that kind of settlement. But our aim is to change the heart. So please apply discipline, but not just punishment without loving and care. And if I might add something to that, do not discipline your son or your daughter when you are angry. When you are angry, you will exceed the punishment. Wait until your spirit is quiet. Wait until your son or daughter's spirit is quiet. So let me wrap up this message with three final applications. First, the spiritual training of our children cannot be outsourced. We live in a world where a lot of companies outsource work, jobs. That doesn't work in the Bible for parenting. It's your own responsibility. It's my own responsibility. And uh, be very careful. No matter how busy you are, take the time. Make the spiritual discipleship of your children a priority in your life. Then let us strive for parental godliness. I will speak more on this on the next sermon. But it's unrealistic to expect your child to be godly when you are not a godly person. You cannot say go to church when you are not attending church. Or pray when you don't pray. Or read the Bible when you are not reading the Bible. You have to show godliness because the example is what really gives the teaching. Are you cultivating a deep and mature relationship with God personally? Or is your Christian parenting style a Christianized way to say, do as I say, not as I do? Please reflect on that. And then parenting is not just another job. It is a lifelong commitment. And I'm really challenging all of us as a parent, biological Adopted, and also as a church. It's a lifelong commitment. That work needs to be continued. And that's why we call and we focus our church in more discipling. We need that. Amen? Can we all stand?